This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson. with me as always, my good friend and co-host, uh, Mr. Ryan Steiskull. How's it going tonight, Ryan? Oh, I am hot and bothered. Uh, hot at least is true, I'm sure. Oh yeah, Hopefully and you're not bothered too bothered yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. I guess uh, yeah. being uh, 100% accurate then. So. Yeah, you have the luxury of being in a basement. I have the, yes. the misfortune of being in a second-story apartment complex. So it's always nice and cool here, and in the wintertime, yeah. it's it's kind of cold down here. But in the summer, it's great. So oh, I'll take cold any day. I can't peel off my yeah. skin to get any cooler. You could, but you know, that's mm. let's get into a little hellraisery. <laughs> I'm not Ooh, sure you feel breeze. a whole lot cooler, even if you did. So <laughs> just pain. Yeah, just unrelenting pain. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, see so yeah, how how have things been going. Oh, you know, this last uh, week or... I survived COVID, which was like you know minor, but the fatigue is real and that shit. Like that's the big recovery, yeah. as you know. Uh, yeah. We kind of talked about before. It's just like, yeah, a flight of stairs winded me. I mean, not to say it didn't wind me before. Let's face it, the pandemic <laughs> hasn't really helped me in the aerobics department. But, like, to get something that just kind of just takes what little energy you have already as a human being, like myself, just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wanted to do something. Guess I'll just lay here. Yeah. It's it's weird, and we were just talking before we started recording about, like, you know, getting older and having some of these things happen. But, like, to literally not have the energy to do something like I think you felt like that earlier in life a couple of times before like oh, I'm just too tired but when you really are like you can't peel your ass out of the chair because you are just like done uh, like done like yeah. against your will it's the weirdest thing it's like oh I I want to do something I, I really want to clean my apartment I really want to work on some work like I would like not to be winded by just going downstairs yeah. to grab my mail. That would be cool. <laughs> like, yeah, and and they do tell you when when you when you get it or when you're reading about COVID or whatever that you know fatigue is a as a symptom of it. And I mean, even I think even my doctor when she checked in like by email when I had it was just like, and, and you may feel tired for a while. But no, nobody did justice to exactly what that meant in my case. Like it was like tired, seriously tired lacking in energy for a good two weeks or so like Makes beyond me when everything else had gone away and i was still just like yeah it, it makes me wonder is this what old people deal with is that why they move so slow <laughs> in every line yeah I've ever i mean been in? maybe it is this is that's what this is i'm like oh fuck <laughs> like watching yeah, that old like... man like move inch by inch just to get across the street and like oh i feel you brother <laughs> yeah, when like old people like take their daily trip to the grocery store and then take a four hour nap in the afternoon. So, so. <laughs> yes, yeah. like the nap. 
like yeah. I just want to go to bed. I don't even care if I don't fall asleep. I just want to lay there. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I get older, I'm relating to that a little more, even in my everyday life. But yeah, it's uh, certainly yeah. for real when you're when you have COVID. So it's like you look as forward everybody to just can... turning off the consciousness, just head back. Yep. Yeah, as everyone could probably tell, I have a little something, so I apologize for the gravelly voice. I'm not doing a Tom Waits impression tonight. It's it's just uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Allergies <laughs> or something. My wife told me I should probably test because you know all the numbers are up, but that's the thing is I don't feel that fatigue thing this time around. So I was kind of like, Nope, don't think it's COVID, but I suppose yeah. I should know for sure. But, so I'll probably, we got a couple of those at home tests left. I'll probably do one. If, if I don't wake up and feel like tons better tomorrow. I can but. tell you what, like the one thing with this fatigue thing is like, it gets to the point where even if I'm watching people do super, extraneous activities i'm like i'm already exhausted which brings us as a good segue (laughs) to our movie yes um that was the best that i could do we're uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're starting our two-part um should we call it fistapalooza fistorama (laughs) fistorama sounds sounds like a movie i don't want to watch but uh, i feel like russell crowe would be in it though (laughs) oh yes his character would go nicely in fistorama so uh yeah yeah it was a jackknife would go great when fistorama (laughs) Um, could be a spin-off spin-off material from from it's just whatever uh, yeah from the four hours uncut footage it's just they made they just made their own separate movie uh jumping ahead sorry you go ahead (laughs) yeah no, no no the uh the movie you haven't guessed, of course, is The Man with the Iron Fist. When you forge a weapon, you need three things. The right metal, temperatures over 1400 degrees, and someone who wants to kill. Hidden's Uncle Village. We got all three. Power belongs to no one until it is seized through sex and violence. Everyone's so afraid of these men. Are you? No. A government shipment is only days away. Some pleasure before business? You a business. This is pleasure.
written and directed by uh, RZA of Wu Tang fame, yeah. and um, co co written by RZA with uh, filmmaker Eli Roth. Uh, originally came out in 2012. Uh, get you a quick synopsis. In 19th century China, a stranger settles in a jungle village and becomes its blacksmith. Radical tribal factions force him to fashion elaborate tools of destruction, and the clan's conflict soon erupts into full war. Knowing he must take action, the blacksmith channels an ancient energy to transform himself into a human weapon. Fighting beside iconic heroes, the blacksmith harnesses the incredible power to defend his adopted people from an army of soulless villains. So... I mean I that's really technically accurate from but yeah <laughs> that that misses you miss a whole lot of like the you know kind of wacky old grindhouse kung fu movie stuff in that description but yeah um I yeah mean, so all those uh, things did happen mm-hmm. just not to that level I would say focus i would say a lot of that happened near the end of the movie (laughs) they make it sound like it's a very like straightforward narrative when that is not exactly the case with this movie so no like straight out the gate like kudos for rizza for fucking like you know the wu-tang clan obviously fucking like oh yeah into from this stuff yeah yeah martial art films and it's really cool to see that somebody had a cool idea like there is a and like really went forth and go forward with it but it does show that this was his first time kind of like writing a screenplay (laughs) like yeah and it it went through many drafts and a good thing slash maybe not as good as it sounds but supposedly he was giving a lot of concessions at one point and I just read the history of this, the kind of the production of this movie. But he was giving a lot of concessions to the studio at some point. And Eli Roth came back into the process and said, no, don't do that. You're changing too much. It's getting too far away from your original vision. And he kind of back turned to, you know, went back to doing his thing, which I think is going to end up being the thing that's memorable about this movie, whether or not it makes sense all the time or the story is perfect or this or that. But um, certainly the old-fashioned Hong Kong Shaw Brothers grindhouse kung fu style that he's paying homage to here is the stuff that's you know stands out about this movie. Yeah. You know, the, the story is pretty typical revenge, uh, hit you know, and like, miss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Little kung fu but, joke. <laughs> but yeah. So it, yeah, it, it it does show in points I think that maybe it's his feature first feature film, but I do think where he shines and um, he made a short film when he was going to pitch this where he directed a couple of action scenes just to kind of assure his investors and people that were backing the film that like yes I can direct action because I, as as you may well imagine you know doing like martial arts action scenes is perhaps one of the you know most demanding things a director might have to work with there's a lot of things going on <laughs> And you have to work, you know, very closely with the fight choreographer and with uh, actors and such. So uh, I think he handled it fairly well here. Like, there are points where it doesn't work, but in general, it's it's enjoyable. Right. Like, I agree. Like, the, the action bits, like, they are exactly, like, what it is that he was trying to emulate. Like, I saw some criticism about that from some, uh, from some people. Like, he didn't add anything new, but he did represent this pretty much dead on and i'm like yeah that's fine this is like a man's first fucking directorial debut debut um like yeah 
emulation right but he did a good job like that's the thing like these action pieces and like some of the um, uh the design work for like the weapons and the clans and like how they're animal themed and stuff like it's all pretty cool actually like i, I mm-hmm. will give it that and like but yeah this movie just like it's a very strangely balanced like unbalanced thing because you got that end that's really neat and the other end is like yeah they're the 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 story itself like fine in spots but just not given the same amount of like polish dare i say like and it kind of goes all over in some spots like i i feel like at some point in the the you know genesis of this movie that it was supposed to be somewhat episodic like it was supposed to be yeah. like it was going to tell this part of the story then it was going to kind of fly back and tell this part of the story then it was gonna uh and they like decided not to make it chaptery but didn't really fix those issues in the script so it still kind of comes off as having that kind of like the beginning we're going to focus on lion the lion clan and, and the conflict yeah. And then in the middle, we're actually going to come back to this blacksmith we very quickly introduced you to, and you're going to see that he's actually, like, the main character of the story. Yeah. Um, so and give you being, his background. Yeah. Yeah. Being that this movie was, you know, kind of a spin-off, it wasn't a spin-off of Kill Bill, but Rizzo's worked with Quentin Tarantino on Kill Bill and got to spend some time on set, he, he credits that time as when he decided, like, hey, I think I could make a movie, you know, studying the way that Quentin worked and... and well, yeah. Quentin really pushed so. for it too. Yeah, like he yeah. was very much on board. I believe he presented this. He got a present uh, present yeah. credit. He he put his name on it. Uh, he due due to whatever didn't you know have a whole lot of. I don't think he had any involvement in the creative process. Basically, Eli and uh, Eli Roth and um, Rizzo were the creative force behind this. But which I think um, is kind of a shame. I think it would have been beneficial to Rizzo to maybe have someone like quentin to kind of like show but kind of co-direct with him to kind of show him how to go about it uh mm-hmm. and but really let like you know he does a good job did a good job with the action scenes but like everything else in between though on the other hand like yeah yeah, yeah i was wondering if some of the lack of cohesion in the narrative was because of you know perhaps it was supposed to be a little bit more like a Quentin Tarantino movie and told in kind of like chapters or disjointed pieces at one point. And then they ditched that idea, but didn't like, like the script still kind of shows the signs that it once was like that. Yeah. Cause it's really odd that the, the blacksmith is introduced very quickly in the beginning. Like here's this dude that does this stuff. And he's got like one scene with a couple of the clan members uh, where he's making weapons for him. And then it ditches him for a long time. You get introduced to pretty much the rest of the supporting cast uh, you get into the kind of um, into the turmoil of the clans and the power struggle in Lion Clan and all these you know competing clans trying to come in and take them out while they're feuding amongst themselves, and then all of a sudden you flash back to not flashback but you get back to uh, the blacksmith and his uh, girlfriend character who I'm not going to remember her character's uh, Lady name. Silk. Uh, Lady Silk. Lady that's right. Silk. Yep. Um, and them, you know, kind of planning to run away together and all this stuff so you start to get those pieces then it flashes away to you know other stuff and finally in the third act you get his story like you get his backstory and it you know sends back to um you know uh the south in the united states where he was a slave at one point and his uh his master um you know old white plantation owner whoever he may be releases him at the wishes of his mother because his mother was having some sort of a relationship with him um yeah 
and uh, gains his freedom and yeah, so basically finds his way through trials and tribulations to this place in China. Um, it then was interesting to me that we waited till the third act to get that. Well, then he was. But, like, then after that, there's also a. It, as it continues with his backstory, that he's like trained by these monks, mm-hmm. which they need to have that into it because in that moment it's explaining like, uh, Chi and like why he is able when he because he loses his arm. Spoiler alert: he loses his arms. Yes, uh, and, and this becomes is, the man with iron fists, very literally. We, so after he loses his arms is when we get the backstory, and then it has to explain how he's able to, with the help of others, craft these iron gauntlets, but not just that, actually manipulate them like actual hands with the use of his chi. And it's like, it's briefly mentioned in that 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 um, flashback to when he's training as a monk. Like, so he does know martial arts, and not only that, can do these supernatural stunts. But, like, again, it's like crammed last minute. Like, this could have all been still part of the movie, but just put earlier in bits like yeah somehow i feel like maybe you know you don't necessarily need that as like a prologue because that kind of isn't where the movie's set like you could start Mm -hmm. there and you do want to flash back to that but we could have used that like maybe the second act you know prior to him getting involved in this situation getting his arms cut off and all of that but because it it seems pigeonholed even though it's totally not it wouldn't doesn't have to be um no like there's there's ways there's ways in and all these types of movies that they find ways to do it sometimes it's strange but it finds its way to work out but this one was just like sticks yeah. out like a sore thumb um yeah and i feel like we're missing some backstory from some of the supporting cast too that i'm sure is there because Rizzo's uh script was 130 pages he shot enough stuff to put together a four-hour cut of a 130 page script which means there's a lot of action stuff that probably yeah you know, hit the cutting room floor um but they cut it down from what was it uh from four hours to like 136 minutes or something like that yeah and that that's his preferred cut but even the unrated director's cut which we watched is still much shorter than that so it's like he said what was it only potentially added 13 more minutes or something like that. yeah 13 minutes from the theatrical and it's just like how much was still cut like yeah (laughs) like like, it seemed pretty sparse in this in this version and that's what you know 13 minutes less yeah, I'm not sure what what we were missing because uh, this movie has a pretty frantic pace. I can't imagine losing a whole right. lot of it. It's uh, uh, um, one thing I didn't mention at the top, which we usually do, is that it's got pretty big cast. Uh, Riza yeah, himself does. stars as the blacksmith, of course. Uh, Rick Yoon as uh, the X Blade or Zen Yi, who is the son of the Lion Clan leader. Russell Russell Crowe plays a British uh, ex-British soldier who's an opium addict named Jack Knife, who oh, pretty God. much seems to be in Jungle Village just to kind of, uh, you know, mess with the local hookers uh, and oh, smoke God, opium. Yeah. Like we have to talk and, about uh, that when we did get there. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, Lucy Liu plays Madame Blossom, who is the uh, runs the Pink Blossom brothel. Uh, David Batista in uh, one of the earlier roles I, I've seen him in um, as the Brass Body. Uh, who's a mercenary capable of turning his body into metal, which we don't get a whole lot of backstory for. We get a couple of comments like, oh, I thought all of you you were wiped out, or your whole clan was wiped out. He's like, I, 
they have all been wiped out because I killed them or something along those right, lines. Right, I thought I missed something End there too. End of backstory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought like was there so. was this mentioned prior? Was there mentioning that the Tiger Clan or whatever was wiped out? I, I I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, it, I assume um, it's probably something that got cut either at a script or you know, mm-hmm. editing point you know level, but um, yeah. So uh, Jamie Chung, uh, Chun Li, uh, Byron Mann. And, and many more if you dig into and, and you know, there's people that know this stuff much more than me but you're into martial arts films I, I have a feeling from reading some of the Wikipedia stuff that it's kind of a who's who of um, you know a lot of famous martial artists from Hong Kong cinema especially mm-hmm. more recent Hong Kong cinema so um, yeah anyway yeah, and there, cast. there are some pretty good performances in here too that, yeah like I uh, really enjoy Byron Mann as Silver Lion. Yes, <laughs> the, as the main antagonist, Silver. Yeah. yeah, he is kind of manic and like like a hair metal kind of villain. Yeah, yeah uh, he looks like he should be in like a Japanese or you know rock band or something at the. Yeah. Like you throw some kiss makeup on him and like it's done. That's it. Yeah. That's all he was missing. Um, but um, Lucy Liu uh, also does a great job. Yep. She As, does. Uh, uh, was it Madam Blossom? Like the, mm-hmm. like it's something about like throw Lucy Liu uh, in charge of a harem or a or or a prostitutes for some reason. It's just, <laughs> yeah. uh, but she gets a badass kind of fighting scene. Like I, I, she pushed for it, uh, and it worked out anyways because like uh, the was a brass lion. Uh, Russell Crowe's character, uh, Jackknife, was supposed to fight, but because they only had Jack, uh, Kurt Russell for like ten days or something like that, that like it worked out where it's just like okay, Lucy Liu gets to fight him, and it like yeah. showed a pretty cool fight with Lucy Liu I going nuts. In there. And I don't know if if Lucy Liu really has a, a background in like martial arts or whatever either, but I can't imagine the fight scene being as good with Russell Crowe, like that. No, he just doesn't have the you know he's just not a martial arts kind of guy. I don't think even. And I'm sure they would have done... They do okay with his action scenes in this because he uses his cool weapon. He's got this knife that's like a knife slash chainsaw slash gun kind of thing. It just, it like rotates. It like spins like a, like a egg beater. Yeah, it can (laughs) just like eviscerate people just like, you know. Yeah, it's the weirdest creation. And it shoots as well. Yeah. As well, so. It's a knife with a gun handle that spins (laughs) and then, then it's given to Russell Crowe. Who yep. he doesn't do a lot of fight sequences, but my God, does he do a lot of action of a different variety in this yes. movie? Yes, this is an incredibly interesting um, character for Russell Crowe in his uh, repertoire of <laughs> movies. Because right. yeah, he plays an opium addict. That most of the scenes that he has in this movie, whether he's having conversations with people or not, he's like, um, you know, dawdling hookers in some sort of way. His hands like are always on so like, much. And kind of in a, like, weird... I wouldn't call it torture, because no one seems to be being in pain in any way, but, like, just in kind of a... Sadomasochistic something's going on. I'm avoiding sadomasochism because it doesn't seem to be... He's just, like, I'm going to tie you up and mess with you, kind of... uh, Grab... Suggestive games are, are, um, like, listed, but you don't know what the fuck that means. Like, at one point, he just faces us, like, the camera, kind of, because there's somebody that they're not showing, and he goes, like, but you get to stay tied up, because you are naughty. And it's just, like, and this isn't, like, 
prime Russell Crowe bod well, from Gladiator. This is oh, after. No, no. This is this, this is, is dad bod more Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, yeah. yeah, for sure. And it's kind of like, and, and and some of it I'm sure is his his character, but it's kind of like large, sweaty Russell Crowe. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he's uh. He's like honestly six he's, women he's, around him at all times. He's pretty. He's pretty good. I mean, he's an enjoyable character, but it's uh, it's Gro- a weird grossly character. enough, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like and uh, he um, there's some insinuations like he is he gets his name from his weapon kind of thing. And I was yeah. there's a scene where he has all these like sexual instruments and he's you know using them on on this woman and he pulls out this thing that quite possibly as a butt plug of some sort and I'm like oh it's a good thing like they named a... him after his weapon and not this his choice of like <laughs> it looked like a platinum uh, eggplant yeah yeah but he was holding upside down because um, Jack butt plug is not as good of a no you know, a name, so. <laughs> no that was no I was trying too hard for that joke but okay so. I mean it kind of vaguely <laughs> reminds me of that one scene from um inner space with the guy with the robot hand and he puts in like switches oh, out the yeah. various tools <laughs> i was like worried i was with you i was like oh god please tell me we didn't pick another movie where <laughs> he just takes <laughs> off the knife handle the knife part of the gun and then puts on the the platinum eggplant <laughs> like the um, spinning vibrating yeah god. oh the worst part is like what he says is like let's play a game uh what is it like um something like catholic let's find the Puritan um, or some shit. I don't know yeah. what it was. I don't know. It was very weird. It's not something I wanted to commit to memory. It's just, it's, I just know the cringe. There was a lot of no, cringe and, lines. And, and I feel like it was all cringe on purpose. Like they were trying to make you kind of like, <laughs> like yeah, this guy's kind of, yeah, but he comes across as uh or he ends up being, you know, part of the, the team of good guys that kind of, did not expect that. Sense. I'll be honest. I did not see that coming at all. And then, like, at the end, there's a, like, I don't know if he's a somewhat redeeming moment, but he's, like, back in his uniform and, like, riding away from town. Like, he's going to, like, go get back in the British military or something. I don't know. But. Which is interesting because when he starts, he's dressed as a cowboy. Mm-hmm. I was like, is he going to have an American accent? No, he's British. He's British yep. in this. It's just like, yeah, he's very cowboy esque. He's got the the hat and the yeah. long trench the, coat, like dusty. Yeah, yeah, duster. the the poncho type. Yeah, thing yep. going on, and he has the revolver. And, yeah, I was gonna say knife. certainly with the gun, he's kind of the cowboy character, but but turns out he's just a horn dog British dude. Which yeah. once again, there's a backstory here that seems to hint that this was yeah. his like redemption arc, and you don't know until big, after he kills time his backstory. fucking. Because yeah. he has a nemesis of some sort named Dagger. He's knife. This guy's dagger. They have a history. Yeah. We don't get to know what it is. Nope. <laughs> we just... Uh, so, you know, honestly, I liked this movie enough that if we were to put some of this stuff back into the movie, I would certainly give it another watch to learn a few of these <laughs> th- about some of this stuff. But, right. Yeah. Anyway, I, probably not going to happen at this point. No. But, I mean, there was a sequel to this. Uh, there is, yeah, I which I didn't it's... know until it, like earlier this evening when I was reading about it. But yeah, so uh, I did. I so. didn't know if Riza was back in it, but he is. But it is, it is a direct direct to DVD direct. Yeah, and video. he he did not direct the movie either. He right. just came back to play the characters. So. Yeah, and he wrote the story, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, this. Uh... Oh man, it's God! Out. The Russell Crowe scenes, though, like. 
I'm gonna. I'm trying to get away from them, but I will say like they were the hardest. Like there was there's some there's some like surprising like gore in this. Like it's there quite is, visual, yeah. and they do a good job it's... for the most part with all, most of it. But it's the Russell Crowe in, with 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 the girls scene that just like oh he was having fun, and I do not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm not in, I, I don't need to see him do any of these like... things. <laughs> Yeah, he's just he's just kind of a creep. Like that's the best very way to much, put it. Just like very much. Yep. Um, oh, uh, yeah, and then a... the second grossest thing is when he puts on like the the uh, Asian makeup. Like he, yes, and yep. he ha- he has a few lines. Of they that do, one. yeah, they do Asian eyes on him yeah. so he can wear that disguise. Yeah, and you know I. I wonder how much of that being when this was made and, and who kind of the people it was made by. Like, I'm fairly certain that was a, you know, a very knowing thing that they did putting a white guy in Asian makeup. But because it was, I mean, it's know, like ten years old now. Common, so. yeah. It was unfortunately common, you know, in the in the original era of martial arts films that something right. like that would happen, um, or in in more so in, than in martial arts films in any films made anywhere in the West instead of hiring a, you know. <laughs> an actual Asian actor, they would, you know, just paint up a famous actor as an Asian person. But it was, I, um, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, okay, he's trying to wear this guy's fine. It's just the weird comments afterwards. Like he, we didn't yeah. need the accent. We didn't, we didn't yeah. need that. I don't know why they went went all the way for that, but hey, that's yeah. it is what it is. This movie has, it's. It's got a very cartoonish style. The action is very, you know, over the top. It's it's very. Um, what was the kung fu movie we watched uh, not too long ago on the podcast? The uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine. Yeah. Uh, that that has a very similar style of action. That's the kind of thing I think they were going for here. In fact, I I'm pretty sure that was a Shaw Brothers movie. Um, so, it uh, is kind of exactly what they were going for. What their influence was, and they, I yeah. saw like that kind of you know the that kind of influence all over this um but yeah you were mentioning kind of the over the top um graphic nature of some of the violence and the fight scenes and like the ripping they out of throats and everything like yeah, there's a lot like of that bare hand ripping throats out just yeah. like bah <laughs> throat <laughs> uh, i think there's uh but the thing is, is like so they they do with like a blend of practical effects which rizza really wanted to do a lot of practical but there was a certain things that they kind of needed to do cg just for like time and such i guess um and certain things and the cg does not hold um, no the cg is rough at a few points yeah like, especially dave, dave batista's copper skin is pretty rough um, oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so much some of the cg blood and stuff that happens is kind of eh. i think there are some like a... moments when they're not using wires that they cg people like once or yeah. twice and those all look not so great but yeah some of it's very much like not refined and this yeah. came out in like i mean this this took a couple of years to make yeah i think it? 2012 is when it finally it finally yeah, came out theaters, in 2012 so. but like yeah they were not given like they they the technology to do a decent of cgi was definitely there but it was not done um uh, I think there's like one scene where Riza like punches a man in the face after he has his iron fist, and then I just randomly flies oh, out. <laughs> yeah, just... like kind of like off camera, like at camera almost. Like yeah, it's almost like a 3D gag. Although this was never a 3D movie, but 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where it kind of like you know if um, it would have been cool if they went full practical, even if that meant you saw, like you do in like old fashioned uh, kung fu movies uh, or sorry martial art films, um, where you can see the practical effect like the wire and everything like i think like fuck do that here too why not because that would have been that's tolerable versus like like the dave batista part like some parts work some parts didn't but there were just certain areas where it's like like it was just used in a random way and you can kind of see like a weird outline like oh these did not these keys did not blend in so well (laughs) to, to some of these um, and I wonder if some of it was because Rizzo was um, pretty much dead set against doing CG. He wanted to do practical. Maybe the practical just didn't pan out. And they're like, okay, yeah. well, let's fix that. So Yeah, and we do it hastily. Um, right. I think Dave Bautista would have really enjoyed having at least like practical arm sleeves. Because what I've, I read in the behind the scenes, like I guess Rizzo's... Uh, Iron fists were like sandpaper texture, and Dave Batista was like getting scratched up raw. Yeah, I read that. Them. Yep, yep. That's like yeah, uncomfortable. They're probably made out of like foam, mm-hmm. like almost like styro heavy styrofoam rubber, um, and then painted. So yeah, that stuff gets almost a sandpapery texture to it. Um, probably it's... sandpaper and his skin off after doing all those blocks and hits. And... Yeah, and there's so much of that. Um... But Dave Batista in this, uh, it's very interesting to see his early work after like getting used to him seeing him as his Drax and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and he post post Guardians, he's done mostly kind of comic characters. He's almost mm-hmm. become a comic relief character and things. And he's definitely not that here. He's the, he's the tough, you know, like right. that. Well, yeah, because it was his key. What it was just his start out of wrestling towards acting as the tra- trajectory goes, but. Uh, yeah, but later on, seeing like the same with uh, John Cena too. Like they, they do a good job with comedic moments. They really do. Like there is a range. Like wrestlers are actors, yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. it's like. Um, so yeah. When I I think most of the time, you know, being a wrestler, they only get to really play one character, and that's kind of what Dave Bautista is doing here. Yeah, he's evolved, you know, since then and learned how to do. But yeah, I mean, there's acting is you know forty percent of what they do as professional wrestlers. So I think I think he was actually a pretty good choice for this. Uh, like yeah, like it would have been cool to see more of that backstory about like what is up with this uh, the brass body. That's what he's called, right? Like what yep. is like that this. There's a lot of cool ideas, but it would have been like maybe there were too many at once. Um, yeah. because everyone pretty much, I don't want to say everyone dies, but uh, all the antagonists for the most part die. Yes. And it would have been cool to actually have some of them carry over, uh, maybe, but I don't we're know. not entirely sure about brass body. Doesn't he just get that, uh, the dojo cut or whatever it is kind of like collapses on him like a big, building. that was in the middle. Uh, and he survived that in this one, he gets blown into bits. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah at he the gets end. punched yeah. to bits. Uh, which was kind of interesting to see, but again, yeah. like there wasn't anything else really. I mean, I guess Brass Body is the one who cut off his arms, uh, so mm-hmm. there is this thing. But again, like there's actually kind of like so much happening, revenge wise. There's literally three 
revenge uh, stories going on. Yes, going on. <laughs> like three time. antagonists, three protagonists. Well, yeah, uh, you have uh, the not Jack Knife, the other knife guy that's the son of the lion. X Blade. X um, Blade. Yeah. Who? Um, yeah. Yeah, who's avenge, trying to avenge his father who was murdered by his underlings. Um, you have Rizza's character who's trying to avenge his arms, but then eventually trying to avenge Lady Silk as well, who yeah. is murdered um, it, you know, in the events of the film. Um, there's some sort of history between many of the other characters that we're not entirely sure what it is, but... There's a lot going um, on. It's There's some sort of vendetta stuff, but, between yeah. Jack Knife and uh, whoever you know Dagger, Dagger is, yeah. Who only shows up in the very end of the film. Um, well, he's briefly shown in the very beginning of the film, like he's yeah, like a hand right. of the amp- emperor or something like that. And yep, you're right. They did this yeah. whole weird thing where they like hide Dagger for most of the film until he's like revealed, and it's just like, oh hey, look, it's that one guy they showed showed for like a brief second in the beginning. Yeah, it was going to be him, because who mm-hmm. else would it have been? Why did you hide him? Yeah, it wasn't really a secret. But No, it, yeah. it wasn't a necessary secret. Like, I didn't know what the fuck to expect. Like, like if this isn't that guy, I'm going to be very surprised. It's probably going to be a character that we weren't even introduced to, which I wasn't going to be surprised. Yeah, I, I <laughs> thought it was actually going to be some knew somebody like secret weapon kind of yeah i don't know maybe another chi master of some sort because it, we didn't really get into that whole the 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 chi manipulation or whatever they call it where they can use um he's you know uh, the blacksmith had had studied with uh these monks buddhist monks after coming to china yeah um he learned how to use his the chi or chi like kind the of pressure you know, points and such, yeah. Right? yeah kind of like in a force like way we'll put it in yeah. star wars terms which is to the concept I, I think that they've certainly uh done before but it's not exactly what traditionally you mean by you know chi but <laughs> that's okay it's used it's used to its uh for yeah to its purpose here in the movie but um so yeah he he literally can do some you know, kind of pretty extreme and almost force like. Well, he he doesn't he explode he explodes things with it, and that's what ends up happening. To, yeah, to <laughs> brass body at the end. So just um, kept punching him until he was dented, and doing that like one Kamea thing. Yeah. Um, uh, which like the parts did this weird kind of cool spin and bad CG, but cool spin concept wise. Yeah. Just bam. It was cool. I was like, yeah. It was the only. <sighs> And maybe I'm wrong, I'm trying to remember here, but it was the only time that I got any inkling that it had many moving parts was at the end of that. Otherwise, they just looked like big iron hands. You know, you could move the fingers, but... I think, Uh, like, they waited way too long to cut off his his arm, his things, his arms. (laughs) I think that should have been what happened within the first act. Yeah, I feel like that, too. Right away. Because that was the crux. There was, like we mentioned, there's a lot of different plots and a lot of different revenge but that was the one he's technically the main character here like yeah get you don't even tell his backstory but get his arms cut off get his girlfriend dead that sounds bad but like you know do those things make him pissed off get him you know motivated to take revenge and then then move forward with your story then we can see the the 
feuding clans and some of the other plot elements that are going on because then he can start to make allies with the other people that are trying to get at the same people he's trying to get to but yeah it's just there's just which uh, all happens but it's all kind of squeezed into the end <laughs> like well this whole thing is like it's like you got a person who had some really cool ideas everyone was really excited and like you can tell it's just like why oh probably only gonna get this one shot just throw it all in at once and it's mm-hmm. just like too much which sucks because there's a lot of cool stuff like honestly story pacing weird but concepts yeah there's a lot of great stuff here and there's also a lot of great stuff fight choreography and wire work and oh yeah special effects and there's all kinds of cool stuff like costume design even like uh, like even the fucking title cards like he got like that essence that aesthetic mm -hmm. from martial art films like hands down you know like this is a guy who likes oh, martial he, arts films he, and he knows to make his shit one. like yeah yeah definitely knows what he's doing here and it pays homage so well that it almost i think that was one of the criticisms people made is it pays homage too well because it's almost just kind of takes from but i don't think that's true as in, and i and i haven't seen all, you know i haven't seen as many of these movies as i probably should because i enjoy them when i do but um I don't feel like this is copycatting anything necessarily because it is tied in very strongly to its concept right. and most of the action scenes. Um, they said they made a very conscious effort when writing the script that every action scene they had had to have something new. Like it wasn't just going to be a fight, um, you know, have anything that you've seen before in the same film. It has to it either advance the story or it's got to have some, some new element. We're going to bring in new sets of weapons, new kinds of, you know, fighters, heroes, villains, whatever. Uh, new styles of martial arts, new whatever. There has to be something new. And I think that shows because I, there is a great variety in the types of action scenes in this movie. There's not really one that's the same as another. They've accomplished that very well. Yeah. And I think that makes it very, very not boring. It's very exciting to watch. It just kind of moves you through. But. I think, like, I would. Go, I know they made a sequel, but I would say, like, in this day and age of Netflix... It would be really cool if there was an anime adab- adaptation to this. Like, mm-hmm. they've done it with, like, um, Afro Samurai, for example. Like, I think that was actually... I think he might have been part of that. I can't remember if Rizzo was part of that. I know Samuel mm-hmm. Jackson is. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that whole, like... Like, God, like, why not? Like, that. I think that's what it, it probably would have had the most strengths. Like, make it, like, a short kind of like episodic anime uh because he could have really explored uh so many cool because he has got a lot of cool designs Mm -hmm. like and concepts and i think like having like an episodic kind of like you have this man going through this journey find going to this destination and uh, along the way you know building this universe but i mean that's my that's naturally where i where i would go is say yeah do anime because I could see it. I would see like 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 the old visceral like OVAs of like the eighties and nineties, like the hyper violence, like yeah, this would fucking yeah. work. Well, <laughs> like movies this. like this. Movies like this, movies like uh, Flying Guillotine that we watched, um, have a strong aesthetic and maybe it's vice versa and a lot of anime at least anime of this genre. Uh, has a strong aesthetic of them maybe I don't know which way chicken before the egg right but all of it um, (laughs) yeah and so I don't think that's you know you necessarily being an anime I think that aesthetic's there it's it's in these martial arts films it's very strongly in 
anime, um, at least martial arts oriented anime. Um, this is when I miss Cho because he'll be groaning. But, so, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, I don't think that would be necessary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. I think the two are are like just are influentially linked. Like they they, yeah. they come from the same place, kind of, and that, and you do see in a lot of anime and and the little bit of anime I've watched, I should say. I do see a lot of these kind of stylistic choices. The you know there's there is um, over the top violence, but it's also the way they depict violence and the way they you know they decide to slow motion or slow down motion here and there and, and perseverate or, or focus on certain elements of, of an action scene. That yeah. stuff comes right out of kung fu movies, I think. I mean mm-hmm. that's yeah. exactly where we're getting that from. So um. yeah, and I'm just like thinking like just like a short series like. Kind of like what um, Visions, like Star Wars Visions that came out. Mm-hmm. You can have different studios animating different things. I think it would be kind of cool to do it, like short story explanations. Because I think there's a universe here, actually. Yeah. I'm being optimistic. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it I can think, be fun. I, think, like, all the, yeah. I liked all the different clan stuff and all the animals. Exactly. And, you know, was, I thought it was kind of clever. It's all based in a you know, place called Jungle Village. And it's a bunch of animal-themed clans fighting over who's king of the jungle. And of course, the lions are the you know clan that runs everything. But everyone else is vying for power. And like like you said, Riza has a ton of really cool ideas. And yeah. it's just some of the the execution of some of it just isn't quite there. But all that being said, I think overall it's still a pretty entertaining mess of a movie. <laughs> so, it, 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 weird, so. it weirdly enough is yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, and I think, like, you know, I think Rizzo was, like, just given, I think he was, like, overly, motiv- like, pushed by everyone else around him to, like, mm-hmm. oh, you should do it yourself, do this and stuff. And it's just, like, they, this was a new venture for him. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's not to say he doesn't have his ideas. He definitely and does. I have seen debut feature films that are much bigger mess than this and that's a oh, yeah. you know, of filmmakers that go on to have long and you know prolific careers as filmmakers he he did not do a poor job with this. it just you know there's some room for growth but yeah and that's he, it he it's just obvious that that is room for growth like right yeah i kind of wish he would have uh jumped back into the director i know making a movie like this and especially the disappointing idea of what happens after you make your movie and then you have to go like negotiate your movie with studio executives and all this, all that stuff, you know, you think you're through that when you get your script greenlit and then you have to go through it on the back end again. I'm sure it's disheartening to a lot of people. And And also like getting critiqued by people when this was a passion, like, uh, I I don't know, like there's clearly a reason that he decided not to direct the next one. Um, Right. Yep. Um, which I hear is not as good as this one. Yeah, yeah. I may check it out if I get a chance. I, it's probably one of those things that's like on Tubi or something. I didn't look, but it's. Uh, I mean, this used to be on Tubi, and unfortunately, it. Yeah, it just wasn't when we needed to yeah, watch it. Yeah, when we needed to watch it. Yeah. But, yeah, it would have been cool, but yeah, uh, it's. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I have much. Do you have anything else to really say about? Yeah, this? I was just kind of like checking my notes to see if I had any other. Um, Ooh, yeah. The, I, I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say uh, the assassination attempts on all the uh, where where the brothel workers were starting mm. to assassinate all of them, and they were revealed to be like what the Black Widows or something like that, which yeah. came out of left fucking field. But that whole scene I thought was really fucking cool. I didn't know where it was gonna I go. It, 
I thought it was fantastic, actually, the little, like, you know, snake weird, bite kind of thing. Yeah, like, the mouth thing. thing that they had, which made no yeah. fucking sense, but it was just cool, yep. like, to see visually. It's like poisoned, you know, just essentially yeah. a snake bite, a little little knife that poisoned people. Uh, and they got, like, their bladed ribbon scarfs as well, when they yep. actually, like... And it, it totally kind of changed the trajectory of what you think is going to happen, and then all of a sudden they're this kind of league of assassin prostitutes or whatever, which... Again, All I could, think could have been cool by itself. To, right. A yeah, there's a whole other spinoff there. <laughs> like, each um, one of these things could be its own story. Yeah. Yeah, and all that goes through my head when I see during this scene is Norm MacDonald from Dirty Work saying, See, you didn't count on my loyal army of prostitutes. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, I'm no, quoting Dirty Work again. That works. But, so, um, but yeah, no, it, that... That whole scene was really well put together, and it definitely was a twist that... There were a lot of twists here. Some of them seemed like they were there just to twist you around. This one seemed like it worked... I don't know, that worked really well, because... Because of who you, you, you've gotten to know a little bit, of, like Lucy Liu's character is, like... It made sense that these people were more than just, you know, prostitutes in this vil- small village. Um, yeah, I don't know, it was a cool move. Um... Yeah, we were talking a little bit about the the only other point that I wanted to bring up was the fight choreography in this movie, and where it it generally is very good. Uh, there are moments where it kind of falls apart. I feel like in the editing, um, it's a bit choppy. There are some points where it's like a little bit almost hard to follow what's going on yeah. in a in a fight scene. Um, the ones I noticed were actually earlier in the film, and I don't know if it was shot sequentially in any way, but there were a couple that were earlier. And I wonder if some of it is because, in general, he used a lot of martial artists in the background, but his general main characters were actors and not martial artists. Uh, and I wonder yeah. if that's, you know, kind of something like, it's good, you got this big cast of, you know, known people, but then you have to get them doing fight scenes, and they're even, even when they're working with martial artists, they're not martial artists themselves, and I think that starts to show. And that... And, the reason you make weird cuts like that that seem to like leap all over the place is because you just don't have the coverage or the the fight scene, you know. So it's probably well, again, he, it's a it's a learning curve thing, I'm sure. But like in behind the scenes, I I read that there is uh, because he was trying to make deadlines, uh, he was even overworking his stunt crew, mm. uh, and they were actually getting injured and going to the hospital. Oh no! So, yeah, he was overworking them so hard. Again, there's a lot a director has to do in a big yep. budget, um, and it's like, yeah, it's like, I think it really like if the people that were incurred, like I mean, I guess Roth helped. But he was actually even in the movie. Funny enough, mm-hmm. um, yep. but like Tarantino could have been a little bit more helpful. Which that was a fun fact. Uh, we briefly kind of said it, but like this was going to be tied into Django Unchained. Oh yeah, that's right. And they um, couldn't get it together, but Riz's character was going to make a cameo. He was going to make a cameo. Yep. Yeah. Um, his young, his younger days, young, young Riza. Uh, and we could have gotten the sequel where Jamie Foxx as Django and Russell Crowe as Jack Knight. No, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and that's when that comes into play. Um. But, you know, that's one of those things that, like, I'm surprised that they did, like, put a date on this, like, Mm -hmm. uh, what, 19th century, they said. I'm like, I think it should have gone the route of, like, um, 
where you don't like obscure timeline yeah i thought so too existed in its own world kind of you know it's obviously based in ancient china or like yeah it almost seems more ancient china than it seems 19th century that seems kind of hard to believe a little bit right but it had like Gatling guns and yeah, yeah. revolvers, which I would, but which I, would have been totally fine if they didn't set it specifically in a you know time period. But make this like a post-apocalyptic type style, like, like yeah. Supposedly that was an idea that they went with that they almost did that. Like Rizzo was oh, told by some executives that like you should you should go post-apocalyptic with this, and it was one of those things that they they pulled back and said, "No, nah, we're going to keep it oh, you know, Chinese." I think it would so. I guess it's one of those things, but I, I don't know. I, the, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I think, uh, unless you have any other thoughts, we can kind of wrap up on this one. If you had to give, uh, the man with iron fists a grade, which you do, cause we always do. Um, we always do. what do you think of this one? Well, it's one of those things. Like I literally watched it like before, the review <laughs> like so it was quite fresh in my mind so i don't think i really quite uh knew I, I really didn't know what to say because this movie is out of balance like there's so many cool concepts and characters and ideas but also gets tangled in like poor like production um poor uh storytelling in terms of like just progression and editing and just questionable like focus on certain things like i swear to god i think we've seen more russell crowe spanking prostitutes than we actually do see rizza as (laughs) a character as a main character which is alarming um for different reasons uh so like it 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 was a very difficult one for me but talking about the movie with you uh really helped remind me of like there's a lot of things like this is worth a watch if you're if you are a person who likes martial art films this is worth a watch whether or not you you like it or don't or whatever um you gotta at least try it out because like this is a man's passion project and you do see the passion in a lot of spots and i totally see why he was encouraged to do so like uh, by the people around him. Uh, I just wish that they would have been there with him more with certain things. Because uh, I think, like, to help, like, I think that would have been helpful because he might have kept making more stuff like this. If he, maybe he still plans to, who knows? But uh, it would have been cool to, like, see, like, Riza do a collab maybe with Tarantino and see how those elements kind of work, but maybe give. I don't know like it can happen it can, but who knows egos i don't know how the situation works but um overall i mean because of the imbalance part like it's a really fun movie but it is unbalanced and it does take away points it has to but i will say i i have to give it at least a b minus like i think typically with certain movies like that fall in this middle range it's usually c for me but uh, there's more fun elements uh that like are redeemable like so yeah b minus i think is the best way i can go about it yeah i'm i'm gonna agree with you 100 percent. i think it was a fun movie had like a furious pace um i think its main strength is it's like really great understanding of the genre and what it does inside of those 
conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's got cliches everywhere if you if you've watched you know kung fu movies from that era, but um, I think everything. I don't know. It just it just generally works pretty well from that standpoint. Uh, plot wise, it's a bit hard to follow, disjointed um, for what never ends up being a good reason. Like, <laughs> um, just kind of seems like it's you know kind of told in the wrong order. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was fun to watch. It it generally impressed me, to, despite its faults. Like where it needed to shine, being the kind of movie that it was, I think it it shines there. It falls apart mm-hmm. in other places, but what the things yeah. that matter um, actually are quite good and quite entertaining. It's uh, I think it'd be worth a watch for anyone that's interested in you know uh, martial arts films. And it's it's fun. It's funny in places. It's you know violent and it's got good fight scenes if that's what you're looking for. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good, pretty good watch despite its faults. I would, I wrote down a B minus exactly. So I think I'm going to stick with that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it, it I think fits. that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's a fun movie to watch, even if it's not a perfect movie. Cause it's not, <laughs> it's not, no, but Rizzo should keep going with this. Yeah. Like, I think I'd like he... to see another one and not just one that he plays the character in, but something that, cause I think creatively, He's got it. I mean, he's got some really cool stuff going on here. So yeah, I think, I think I would be. It would be cool to see more of this. Actually, like this weird. I I think he really should go, in like an un. Uh, like unknown time period potential. Maybe po- post-apocalyptic. Maybe even like, other planet, otherworldly. But with like old style. There's ways of going about this. Again, I'm thinking like Trigun anime, but um. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, it would be cool to see more of this uh, yeah. stuff. And we'd like to know what you think. Uh, if you have any thoughts about The Man with the Iron Fist or anything that we review on the podcast, let us know. Uh, you can send us an email at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com or check us out on Twitter or on our Facebook page. Um, if you take the time to write it, we'll take the time to read it. And, um, yeah, let us know what you think. We'd uh, also like to uh, see you over at the Patreon page, patreon.com slash videojunkyardpodcast. Um, go over and check out. There's a couple of different uh, levels of membership. We'd love to have you as part of the Video Junkyard podcast family. And, of course, we do want to thank our patrons, Tony Rodriguez and Scott Stewart. Thank you very much for being a part of the family, and we appreciate your support. Um, yeah, and uh, coming up on the podcast next week, we're going to continue the uh, Fistapalooza with uh, the Jet Li <laughs> film uh, Fist of Legend. And after that, we're going to hit a month or more of... Well, no, after that, me and uh, Ryan are going to pick out something special for you that's a TBD at the moment. But uh, then as we get into summer, we're going to do a month of uh, audience picks as well. So get over to Patreon. We have a free uh, um, poll there. Most of our polls... um, most of our polls will be for members only at the uh, $1 per month range. But if you go over right now, you can vote in the... Uh, summer movie poll for absolutely free um go and let us know uh what movies you want us to watch and we'll make sure and uh, get them on the podcast sometime this summer so thank you uh for listening and uh, this is the video junkyard podcast as always i'm eric Branson. and i'm ryan seiskel saying that is the difference between you and me i see my jobs through to the end the only difference between you and me is a poison we use. Opium? It's not a poison. 
It's not a curse. There's a benefit and a solace to the hard-working Chinese. And the occasional Englishman. I'll see you in hell. I suppose you will. <laughs> Save me a spot by the fire. <laughs> You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>